to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Well, welcome to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. The feature company today is Control Bionics. It's a listed company on the ASX. The code is CBL. Control Bionics is a tech business which enables a disabled person to use their own neuroelectric signals from their brain to a muscle to control communication and movement. And they do this through smartphones, tablets, computers, and robotics, even when that muscle is not fully functional. This technology is truly groundbreaking stuff. It's right at the cutting edge of what's possible. And in many aspects, it's creating world first equipment that is life changing. My guest is the CEO, Jeremy Steele, and he joins me now. G'day, Jeremy. Welcome to the program. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm very well. You have only been in the CEO hot seat for a few months now, having joined the business in January. How have you found the role thus far? It's really a wonderful business and indeed a wonderful time to join. Uh, having been in the healthcare industry for for many years now, I think one of the things that's most satisfying, which is absolutely the case here, uh, is that you turn up to work and you make a real difference in people's lives uh, that can affect, and in the case of control bionics, affect people who often don't have a voice and physically don't have a voice, uh, the ability to make life-changing uh, impacts on on the way in which they operate is just, a, it, it gives you a real sense of purpose. So uh, it's been excellent so far. You have a significant background in med tech. In your last role, you grew the business significantly. Can you explain to our listeners your professional background and what experience you bring to the industry? I mean, I've been an investor and operator you know, for, for the large majority of my career, having previously run private equity funds here in Australia that have invested in both uh, Australian and Australian-based international businesses. So was originally an investor in a business called CardioScan, which is headquartered in Melbourne, a privately owned, privately backed business. As executive chairman, I um, initially took that business uh, from its domestic market. It provides outsourced cardiac testing services. So think ECG, halters, ambulatory blood pressure monitors used for the diagnosis of cardiovascular disease. Uh, and providing those services into hospitals, pathology, GPs. So I grew that business and became CEO uh, and then really kind of grew that business fivefold from its Australian uh, base to operate um, across Asia, in Europe and, and in the US. And so, you know, the the reality of, of the healthcare industry is people talk about it as one industry, but actually it's a collection of a multitude that can range from, you know, provision of absolute healthcare services, um, pharmaceuticals, uh, allied healthcare, uh, um, outsource services. There's a whole range of things in which you do. But I, I think particularly as that experience relates to control bionics, it's, you know, how do you manage growth? How do you um, uh, decide which are the best opportunities to chase? And, uh, and, in, and in many instances, which are the things you don't do? Sometimes the decisions to pass on opportunities are more important than uh, than, mm. than the decisions to to pick certain things up. So as CEO of Control Bionics, what are your 
near-term priorities? So, you know, the business raised um, money uh, a couple of years ago uh, by listing on the stock market and with the intention and, and, and has done so of um, investing that money in building out an infrastructure to allow uh, the business to, to monetize its, its existing and, and future uh, intellectual property that it had developed. And so really, you know, first and foremost, you know, my primary objective is to continue to maximize the investment we've made. Uh, we've built out a team in the US and, and Australia and are servicing, you know, uh, an ever-growing number of clients in those two markets, uh, providing them with a range of uh, tools to assist them to to communicate and, and um, live a more, a more full, a more independent life. And so primary objective is to um, execute on our strategy, which is to grow our business um, and to assess extensions of our technology um, into adjacencies and to new geographic markets. Um, one of those extensions is obviously uh, Drove, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. But there's also technology, which is the NeuroNode, that's the kind of the, the core foundation of our business. That has a number of other applications which are ever being considered and explored, and, 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 and certainly that's an objective of mine as well. So in a nutshell, Jeremy, if you can, what does Control Bionics actually do? Uh, so Control Bionics has created a, a sensor, um, for want of a better term, or, or perhaps a, a layman's term, um, which is which allows you to pick up and interpret EMG, electromyopathy signals that come, that come from the brain. So effectively, if you can imagine moving your fingers, uh, you are sending a signal from your brain to your finger, um, and that generates a an electrical uh, current down your muscle and uh, the device that we have developed and the software that sits behind it allows you to interpret that data and effectively uh, use that as a switching mechanism, so a uh, binary on-off or a uh, yes-no to control third-party software. So thinking about it in a practical sense, uh, for an individual who is unable to speak because they have uh, cerebral palsy or motor neuron disease or uh, a, a spinal injury that has impacted their ability um, to talk. By combining uh, this switching me mechanism, our neuro node, um, with communication software, it's allowing these people to have a voice. And so uh, with a combination of either touch or eye gaze camera, it allows you to select words or sentences on a screen and then effectively imagine a mouse click to click that um, through the use of our device and generate speech. And so if you think back five, 10 years ago, uh, many of these people didn't have the ability to communicate. And for particularly for, for a disease, a degenerative disease like motor neuron disease uh, or, or ALS, as it's sometimes referred to as, um, you know, these are people who've had, uh, you know, normal lives like you and me and acquire this disease um, as they get older. So very, um, very, you know, kind of traditional cognitive abilities, uh, but lose the power to speech, to, to, to speak. Um, our device combined with some of our partners allows them to have the voice that they once had to get it back again. Well, let's talk about Drove. You mentioned that a little earlier. What is Drove and how does it work? So, so Drove uh, is the world's first autonomous um, a driving module for a powered wheelchair. So powered wheelchairs traditionally have joysticks. Those joysticks um, in many instances are operated by individuals who uh, can't walk but, but have capacity to move their arms. However, there are many powered wheelchair users who don't have or don't have on a continuous basis the ability to operate their wheelchair 
um, either at all or with confidence. And so in developing Drove, we've um, uh, come up with a uh, really a world's first solution, which allows uh, the, um, the family and the individual to create predetermined locations inside their home uh, and set up the system that will allow them to get from point to point by the simple click of a button, whether that's using you know, Anya Note or, or other third parties, which is basically move you safely and independently around your home. And I understand that can be fitted to any powered wheelchair. That's right. I think, and, and look, you know, the, I'm sure we might touch on the role of the NDIS in this, but but I think um, the NDIS's principle, which is uh, which is one that that we support and echo, is being selective around individual pieces of technology doesn't give the user their preferred option. And so, yes, we've developed this initially in partnership with uh, with Quantum, which is a uh, quite a well known. Uh, powered wheelchair manufacturer, but it is designed to be put onto any powered wheelchair. Jeremy, how did you go about solving this terrible tech technological issue? I imagine it wasn't easy and you would have had to have brought in outside help. Give us a sense of the the way you attacked this issue and created this, as I said in my introduction, a life-changing technology. Yeah, you know, you, you, your point is a good one in as much as um, it is a very tricky problem to solve. You have to overlay that with, you know, there is not endless resources available in the world to fund solutions. And so while, you know, you may be able to create you know, something that costs millions of dollars, the practicality of that is such that it will never get sold and sold. sold. And so for us, it was um, we needed to create a simple to use and cost effective to make solution that dealt with really the desired outcomes of the end, end user, which was, you know, that simplicity is obviously important, but, but also, you know, how do you install this in someone's house and how do you make sure that it's safe and reliable? And Control Bionics has a wonderful history of, of developing technology, but we will all recognise that the, uh, the resources available to people now for developing uh, technology continue to get better. And so we wanted to use some of the world's best minds and went to Deakin's University, Deakin University's um, AI Institute and worked with them on solving the problem. And, and that was as much about well, what's the, what are the options? How does the technology work? Mm. You know, what, what do you make, what, what do you create in order to be cost-effective, efficient and safe? And um, yes, yeah, not an easy problem to solve, um, but we wanted it to look as though it was very easy. Um, and so, you know, sometimes that works to your disadvantage. I think people say, well, this, you know, this looks pretty this easy. And I think, yeah, knock that up in an afternoon. Well, that's, that's right. But, you know, I mean, there's, there's things uh, such as, you know, we've got um, safety sensors that go onto the wheelchair that will stop the wheelchair if something um, uh, appears uh, that, that shouldn't be there. But how do you angle those sensors and, and what's determined to be, how long do you need to leave? Does something need to be in front of the wheelchair for it to stop? I mean, there's some some deep complexities to to the problem that people just care about the solution. But I think, you know, it's it's the reason why we're the world's first and, and this is such innovative technology is it's actually quite hard to do. So if you were to step back, Jeremy, and look at what is now being created, what would you say is the significance of the technology? I think the significance of the technology, and I, I say this um, not from my perspective of someone who's trying to market it, but from uh, you know the users that we've we've worked with as we've developed this is certainly the the question of independence for the user uh, has been 
the the greatest feature and and indeed the thing that they have valued so much about this the ability for someone to determine where they want to be and when they want to be there for for those of us who are able bodied and have never had to consider that question of do I want to be in the living room or the dining room and just moving yourself mm. there if you mm. can't do that without getting a carer to move your wheelchair for you you are always reliant on someone being available and indeed them understanding what it is you want to do. So um, me sitting, you know, or someone who, who's using the system, sitting in a, a wheelchair, uh, watching TV, deciding actually they've had enough and they want to, you know, go stare outside or, or go to their bedroom and be able to do that independently of anyone else is such a, I mean, a, you know, life-changing. Well, it's, 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 it is. It is. It's liberating. Yes, it's 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 liberating. But also, you know, little things that, you know, for, 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 for me personally, you know, if I'm in a room in a conversation that I don't like, I can just leave that conversation. Hmm. But for someone who relies on someone else to move their wheelchair for them, you're stuck in that conversation whether you like it or not. And so, you know, simply moving away from an activity that you don't want to be a part of you know, most people take that for granted. So that's that's a really important feature. I think something else that's come out from the user experience has been powered wheelchairs are big devices and I think out in the open, it's one thing, but inside a house, you know, there's narrow doorways and tight corners and uh, chairs and tables and, and everything and you can imagine. scratching the hallway and everything. Well, well, that, well, that's right. But if you're in a powered wheelchair and you have a carer who, you know, perhaps is new to your house or, or new to your particular type of wheelchair, then you have a level of discomfort and you're like, you're a bit nervous about someone driving you around because all of a sudden, mm. you know, you need to make sure that they don't hit the doorway or they don't, you know, turn it too, too quickly. And, and, and Brody who, uh, who has worked with us on developing the, the final system. And that's a comment that she made was that, you know, she would much prefer for the wheelchair to drive itself than have someone else do it for her. Mm. I mean, that, you know, I hadn't considered that, but I can understand, you know, it's a, you know, it's a pretty disconcerting if you put the power of, uh, of of moving around tight spaces in someone's hands who's not you know doesn't have the experience. So for those Jeremy who have tested it out, who have worked with you, who've helped develop it uh, with you, what are what do they say about the independence? that it creates, the independent living that it creates for them. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that that's something that they absolutely want. And it is a little bit, you know, I think we're, we all recognise this, uh, that until you know there's a better way to do things, you assume that the way in which you do it is the best. And so you know, providing this technology to people suddenly opens them up to possibilities that they never imagined they could have. Can't um, talk uh, more importantly about that that the, the sense of comfort and security and independence that gives so it, look it's a it's a significantly important feature and 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 people talk about that all the time controlling where you want to be and when you want to be there uh, i mean just just such a step forward for these individuals and i presume it also frees up the time for the carers as well or at least gives them some other things to do no that's that, that's right so there's you know there's a, there's a few layers to that i mean obviously not making them responsible for getting the wheelchair from one spot to another you know reduces the risk of of um, damage to to furniture and to walls but it also frees up their time such that uh, you know they can um, uh, send the, the wheelchair off from the you know living room to the bedroom and then Put, put some things away or wash their hands or whatever they, you know, other things that they need to do without being responsible um, for moving the chair. But but also because you design the system such that the wheelchair 
uh, lands in the same spot every time. For people, for carers in particular, who are uh, moving patients out of the wheelchair and into a bed through using a hoist, you put the wheelchair exactly where it needs to be. There's no need to kind of backwards and forwards and spin it around. It's designed to remove any kind of uh, risk that might come with um, locating uh, the wheelchair uh, in, in the incorrect position. Is it available on the market yet, Jeremy? Uh, it's not available yet, but it will be available in the coming weeks. We're going through a process of our, of our final testing Mm-hmm. Because it is considered a, a class one um, medical device under the TGA, uh, it doesn't. Um, it's a, effectively a self-assessment process because uh, both the importance of the product and the fact that it is, you know, autonomous. Um, we've decided to to perhaps go above and beyond as far as our testing, and so uh, we're getting some third-party testing on, in particular, the safety mechanisms, just to to, to be able to say both to ourselves and and the NDIS and and any other funders and users that. Um, you don't have to just trust us. We've got a third party that have put this through some rigorous testing. So that's being finalised at the moment. I would expect it's um, it's commercially available in, in, you know, certainly in the next month or two. Do you have any idea what it might retail for, even a ballpark? Yeah, I, you know, it's a good question. I, I think um, uh, it's a little bit, you know, because there is nothing else like this, it's not like you can... I mean, you can set a price, but you have no reference point. Uh, you know, what mm. I would say is there are, there is less technologically advanced uh, systems out there that aren't autonomous that retail in Australia for about $13,000. So I think, you know, that's probably, you know, that's a price point. We would be around that. So somewhere between ten dollars to $15,000 is my expectation. And you mentioned the NDIS before. Can I presume that Drove will be available under the NDIS? The way in which they think about equipment like this is, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, as long as the equipment is appropriately registered, it really is about the user and their support team making the case Uh, as to why this is uh, a beneficial solution um, to the individual. And so, uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty confident. So the NDIS doesn't list individual products. They don't recommend products, which I I think is exactly the right way to do it. Um, uh, And so for them, it will be, you know, do do we have um, uh, the, the kind of care team of an individual who says they need to have this? And then if, you know, and and then the NDIS fund it. So, um, you know, uh, as I said, uh, Brody, who was at uh, our launch and who, who tried the system for us, you know, her mother would have said to me, you know, at least half a dozen times over the course of, of the last couple of weeks, when can I get this back again? That's right, I bet. Look, I think that's, you know, and, and in the end, it's about delivering better outcomes for the individuals. And I'm confident that's what this system does. And the NDS is all about, you know, and, and uh, Minister Shorten now recently spoke about his objectives for the NDIS. And one of the clear ones was, you know, safe, secure, independent living for people with disabilities in their home. Uh, and th- this is um, exactly what that does. What else is um, Control Bionics working on? What's uh, what's in the, the secret um, back shed, the ideas factory that um, <laughs> <laughs> you probably you probably can't tell me, but um, I, can I can I presume that you've got you've got a few other projects that you're tinkering away at? Yeah, that's right. I think um, you know if you uh, I'm a big believer in determining you know kind of your core competence, your core skill set, and looking to replicate that. Uh, as much as you can, and so you know, EMG and EMG sensing for us is a is a strength and always has been. Um, I think there's an opportunity for us to um, deepen our use of those EMG signals um, and overlay that uh, a, a true kind of 
uh, competence in software and analysis. You know, I think the world full stop is understanding that um, the way in which you uh, dissect and analyze data can deliver significantly improved outcomes for individuals. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you know, you should be surprised if you don't hear us talk about you know, what we're intending to do with our software and our data as we move forward, because I think that's a that's a spot that can, you know, there are some parts of, of uh, the healthcare market that I believe our EMG uh, solution and the data that comes through it can actually make some significant improvements in the outcomes for individuals. When you're looking at looking at the financials of, of the business, what sort of state is uh, the balance sheet in? We've been investing the money we raised um, uh, in the IPO over the last couple of years. I think um, while we remain uh, funded, uh, we are continuing to consume that cash. And so you know, I think the focus for us um, uh, over the coming six to 12 months is uh, let's make sure we continue to build a business that is moving towards a cash generative position and assess the, the timing and opportunity to potentially raise some additional capital um, to fund further expansion. So, um, you know, I think it's a, uh, it's a, you know, the, the world um, continues to evolve and change, but I think, you know, the business started out on making positive impact to individuals who uh, perhaps need the most. And I think that will continue to be our core. And, uh, you know, there is um, great support for our business, both the end user, the payor of that, uh, that, that systems and indeed our shareholders. So, um, look, I'm, I'm feeling uh, really excited about the future. I think there's a lot of opportunity for us. And uh, like with, uh, with every listed business, you need to, you know, strike the balance between uh, growth and management um, of, of, your, of your balance sheet uh, and how you talk about the future. But, I, you know, I, I, we've got a, a really supportive group of shareholders, some great products and obviously a wonderful team. Just to finalise that then, let's, let's look ahead, Jeremy. Where do you see Control Bionics, say, in the next 12 to 24 months? You'll see us uh, obviously uh, really dig in on, on Drove and make sure that we can push the, the product from this wonderful launch we had recently through to people uh, deploying the systems. I think there is further advancement we can do on Drove. You have to remember this is a world first, and so you have to create the market a little bit before you can sell into it. But, you know, I think that will be a focus of our business. And then, as I said, you know, we've got quite established existing operations in the US and, and Australia, and, you know, you should continue to expect to hear good news about how we've expanded our business in those markets. But, you know, I think um, now is the time for us to just to demonstrate we have, you know, kind of invested our money wisely and there is a, a, there is a strong growth plan here and that's uh, certainly my mandate from the board and, and, you know, what I'll continue to talk to shareholders about. Jeremy Steele, CEO of Control Bionics, many thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you.